Thank you so much for visiting us online today. We believe God wants to speak to you through the following message. If you would like to connect with us or send us your prayer request, visit us at kingsgatehobs.com. I read to you a verse on Sunday. It said, um, it said script, Scripture, all, all Scripture in here is divinely inspired. And it's for correction and rebuke. And it's for showing, what's, showing us what's wrong in our lives when, we're, when we get a little off. So I'm going to talk more about this on Sunday, but I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to have a hard time renewing your mind without the Word. In fact, without getting into the Word, you will never be able to renew your mind. You say, what is renewing my mind? It's exchanging your thoughts for God's thoughts. All right? We as humans, we have baggage. We've been through stuff. We think crazy things sometimes. There's no judgment there. It's just a fact. All right? Scripture talks about that. You know, out of... Out of people's carnal natures, man, all kinds of crazy stuff comes. Jealousy and lies and perversion, witchcraft, all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, scripture talks about that, the works of the flesh. But did you know God would never have given you something that was impossible to do with his help? Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. So, But with God's help, all things are possible, right? Scripture says, with God, all things are possible. So don't get stuck. Don't get discouraged. You say, man, I've struggled. Do the basics. The first thing is you got to get into the Word again. Got to get into the Word again. You say, man, I've been there. It didn't work. Well, how long were you in it? The Word always works. You just got to be consistent with it. We're going to talk some more about that this Sunday. But the Word is good. The Word is right. The Word is righteous. The Word is pure. The Word leads you to God. God's Word is an aspect of God. Scripture says Jesus is the Word made flesh. Two more quick factoids for you. The written word in Greek is called logos. Think of a logo, right? It's printed. You won't ever forget it. The written word in Greek is logos. The word that you speak, which is the sword of the Spirit, is rhema. I remember growing up, man, people were well-meaning in church. They said, man, I got my sword. I'm going to cut the devil up. Well, you're not going to cut him up with your book, your Bible. You're going to cut him up by the, speaking the word. I remember saying that, and it was cool, you know, and I know what they mean. But this, this is powerful, but I even saw a Christian movie one time. Don't watch it. I'm not going to tell you the name of it. I'm not going to tell you who was in it either because then you're going to research it. And it was weird. It was kind of like a Christian horror movie. Strange. Me and Jen were friends at the time. I don't, I don't know if we were, if we were seeing each other already, if, if I'd asked her to marry me. But it was creepy. And I remember in the, in the, in the movie, this actor who's a well-known guy, he caught someone who was in the act of they were about to kill somebody. I mean, look how weird this is. Like, what kind of weird special effects are these? He walked in the door, and he's like, no! And he threw the Bible across the room, and it blocked the knife. Which, that's cool, I guess. Whatever. Maybe it's not. It's pretty corny. And I'm all for corny, because that's what I am. I'm pretty corny. But, uh, usually, I mean, you know, let's be real. This is powerful, but only if you use it and apply it. Learn it, know it, speak it, right? So... A Bible on your shelf is not going to help you. You've got to get into the Word. And I, I was telling some folks, yesterday we talked, and I said, man, you've got to get you a Bible, you understand. And I tell everybody that. I tell everybody that. Man, because I've, and they didn't say this last night, but I've heard people over the years say, man, well, I, 
I want to read the Bible, but I don't understand it. Well, there's so much more than just King James Version. There's all kinds of stuff. There's New King James, English Standard Version, NIV, New American Standard. I teach and preach out of what? New Living Translation, right? So let's get into it. Romans 7, verse 6. We're continuing where we left off last week. Those of you that are new to this tonight, Wednesday nights, they are an official service, but we do Bible study format. I go verse by verse, and we've been in Romans for a while, and I go chapter by chapter, verse by verse, until we finish the book that we are on, all right? But now we have been released from the law. You're going to see why that's good here in a moment. For we died to it and are no longer captive to its power. Say, man, but what about, isn't the law good? Yes, we'll, we'll get into that in a minute. Now we can serve God, but not in the old what? Not in the old way of obeying the letter of the law, but in the new way of living in the Spirit. Let me read that again. Now we can serve God, not in the old way of obeying the letter of the law, but in the new way of living in the Spirit. Let's go to Jeremiah 31, 33. I don't usually do this on Wednesday nights, but I just love this verse. God's been laying it on my heart. You know, God's Word, if you let it, it will be a revelation to you every day. I love this. Look at this prophecy. This is about... Uh, between 650, uh, between six and 700 years before the book of Romans was written. Look at this prophecy by Jeremiah the prophet. Many call him the weeping prophet. But look at what he says. And this is God speaking, and he wrote this down. This is directly from God. He says, but this is the new covenant. Do you see that word, new covenant? You are now part of the new covenant, aren't you? The New Testament. But he's directing it to his people Israel, but this proves what happened later is true. Look, he prophesied it, prophesied it over 600 years before the Apostle Paul ever wrote about, man, you getting free from the letter of the law. Look at this. This is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I love this. I will put my instructions deep within them, and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. Heard a man of God years ago say, he, he said that he was uh, talking to someone, and I guess he was messing with him, trying to prove a point. And he said, hey man, why don't you go, and he's a man of God, but he was messing with this guy and just kind of pressured him and said, hey, why don't you go with me to the bar? The guy went, what? Pastor, what? I'm, not going, I'm not going with you to the bar, man. No, he said, come on, let's go to the bar. Why not? Let's go. And he goes, you don't, you don't even believe in drinking. Why, what place will we have to? What would we be doing in the bar, Pastor? And he was making a point. The man of God kept harping on him and hitting him, going, no, come with me to the bar, come with me to the bar. He was making a point in their conversation. I'm kind of pulling it out there. But he brought up this. He said, look at that. Look how God is. He said, God has written his law in your heart. You just know it ain't right. You may not be able to explain it all the time. He said, but I don't want to be around that junk. Why? He said, I will write my law, I will write my precepts on their hearts, on and inside of their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. Man, I can feel God's presence. Let's read that again. This is for you. This is the new covenant I will make. He's already made this covenant now. He's made it with Israel. He's made it with the whole Gentile world now. You are part of that covenant. This is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel after those days. The prophecy of the word of the Lord says here in Jeremiah. I will put my instructions deep within them. Hmm. And I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. Let's go back now. Let's go back to Romans 7, 6. Let's read that again. 
But now we have been released from the law, for we died to it and are no longer captive to its power. Now we can serve God, not in the old way of obeying the letter of the law, but in the new way of living in the Spirit. You ever seen folks that struggle, struggle with serving God and all they can see is a system of do's and don'ts? That's actually the old covenant. The new covenant has grace in it. It's not a pass to sin, but it's a way that we now serve God because of what he's empowered us to do. Remember, I love repeating this. Grace is what? God's empowerment to live right and do right. It's also God's undeserved favor. So now you say, man, I don't, I don't need a system of do's and don'ts because now I'm going to treat you right because I'm obeying what Jesus said. He said, love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Because of that, I don't want to lie to you. I'm not going to lie to someone that I love, not intentionally, right? And we've all lied. We've all made mistakes. But I'm not going to practice lying to those I love because I love them. I'm not going to covet what they have. I'm not going to steal from them. I'm never, never going to have killing intent for those that I love. Why? Because I love them. So if I'm walking in love, I will fulfill the law of God. Not in the old way of obeying the letter of the law, but in the new way of living in the Spirit. More to follow. Come on, let's go on to the next verse. I love what he says here. Well then, am I suggesting that the law of God is sinful? Of course not. Now he's going to get into something here that I really need you to follow. He's not suggesting that the law of God is sinful or evil, no. In fact, it was the law that showed me my sin. That's good, to a point. I mean, you say, well, I mean, we have to, we have, to have a standard, right? Even now, did you know that the world, they don't know where they got their standard? That what's true for you and what's true for me, they may conflict and we just, everybody finds their own truth. No, his truth may be he's a serial killer or an adulterer. That's not love. That's not, truth, always, truth is always backed up by love for God and your fellow, your, your fellow humans. He said, am I suggesting that the law of God is sinful? Of course not. It is the standard for life. You know why the American Constitution is so solid? That's Bible-based. My dad has this great quote, and I just want to share it with you. My dad says, the government's not evil. He said, the people that run it are evil. The government's not evil. The people that run it are corrupt and crooked, a lot of them. Hey, you say, Democrat, Republican? No, man, <laughs> the majority of these folks. They just are. Because the Constitution, man, it's inherently good. It's not God's Word, but it is one of the most important documents in the world, after the Bible, of course. Because there's all kinds of great things in there. Okay? But you've got to have a standard. And our, our Constitution and our laws, the goodness found in our laws, the morality found in our laws are from the old law of Moses and from the New Testament as well, okay? God is good and he is the standard for living. So the law, the law showed us our sin. It, it's, it wasn't sinful, but it showed us our sin. He says, I would never known that what? That coveting is wrong if the law had not said, you must not covet, <laughs> right? I didn't know chewing gum in class was wrong until the teacher said that chewing gum is going to get you in trouble. Do you know the only time I ever got D-Hall in high school was from my 10th grade biology teacher who later said she loved me, Mrs. Ivory. She's a good lady. She was good at teaching, and she caught me chewing gum in her class, and I got D-Hall once in high school. We won't talk about junior high. That's just a whole other story. I was a late bloomer. I was immature. 
Talking was usually my problem. But I remember I didn't, I didn't know it was bad to chew gum in class until they said, well, it's bad to chew gum in class. These are our rules. Coach, you just, you just brought your rules, right? School started. Did you have rules for your class when you taught? How many did you have? Do you remember? Basic rules. Was chewing gum one of them for kiddos? Well, some of it's because people chew gum like me. I see some of you in here chewing gum tonight. It doesn't bother me because you're so pleasant. I worked at the bank when I was 18, and I, I remember that there was a lady who used to walk up, and she wouldn't even look at me. She'd walk past me, and she'd go, Matt, who gave you gum? I was like, what are you talking? She goes, you, you chew like a goat, Matt. You know. Didn't know it was wrong until someone pointed it out. Look at this. But sin used this command, right? What was the Apostle Paul talking about? He didn't know coveting was a sin until the law said, don't covet. It's a sin. But sin, our carnal nature, used this command to arouse all kinds of covetous desires within me. Isn't that interesting? Now you tell kids, don't chew gum in class, don't eat candy, and what, what do they do? Last hour, my seventh grade year, was music class. Music class with Ms. Shedd. One time I was eating half of a Jolly Rancher. Um, you know those sticks of Jolly Rancher flavored things? It wasn't a small Jolly Rancher. It was a stick. I had half of one. It was cherry. I loved it. I was eating it. And knowing me, I was going to town. I remember she stopped. They were, we were singing and doing all kinds of stuff. She stopped class. And I knew you weren't supposed to eat candy in there. I knew it was wrong, but knowing it was wrong aroused a sinful desire for me to eat candy in her class. It really did. Big-headed seventh, seventh grader. I remember I was in the center of the class. I'm, I'm telling you, I was centered. I could see her, and she, was, she stopped everybody and goes, Matt, what do you have in your mouth? And everybody started laughing because I was getting in trouble. I was kind of devious, so I took it out of my mouth and put it under my leg. And I think I was wearing blue corduroy pants put it under my leg and then pulled the seat real tight because she got distracted when everybody started laughing she started looking around class and she goes Matt what's it? she asked me again what's in your mouth but I'd already put it under my leg and pulled the seat down immediately it just happened I mean it's just sinful behavior then she goes what what's in your mouth and I go I don't have anything in my mouth Miss Shedd I went she goes, I promise I just saw something in your mouth. I even think I saw it. It may have been something red. She said something like that. And then someone goes, it's under him or something. And the guy behind me broke out laughing so bad and ruined my plan. His name was Adrian. I'll never forget. <laughs> he was laughing and I went, what are you laughing at? You know? She goes, Matt, stand up. And I stood up and then now he's dying. <laughs> she was turn around and I turned around and sure enough, I had it right where I'd stuck it it would have never been an issue had there never been a command to not chew gum and eat candy in class I'm not hey her rule was good right but it aroused a sinful desire in me sin used this command to arouse all kinds of covetous desires within me the apostle Paul said if there were no law sin would not have that power is that interesting it's human nature though to make God's good law something strange. It's the carnal nature of men and women, mankind. 
Look at this. At one time I lived without understanding the law, the apostle says. That must have been when he was much younger. But when I learned the command not to covet, for instance, the power of sin came to life. <laughs> and what? And I died. Did he die physically? Well, he died spiritually. So I discovered that the law's commands, which were supposed to bring life, brought spiritual death instead. All we could... You know how it is. You've dealt with those people who say, man, I don't know how to reach God. I see all this do's and don'ts. Man, there's 613 principles and precepts that the rabbis have counted in the Old Testament. What do I do? How do I do that? Oh, man, you've got to look past that, and you've got to look to Jesus, his cross, and his grace and mercy, or you'll be stuck on do's and don'ts. I'm not doing this right. I'm not doing this right. Look, look at what the Apostle Paul goes on to say. It's fascinating. He says, sin took advantage of those commands, and deceived me. Hmm. It used the commands to kill me spiritually. But still, the law itself is holy, wouldn't you agree? It's breathed by God. God gave the law to Moses on the mountain in his presence, face to face. At one point, God said, uh, you know, if I have a prophet, I give him a dream. He said, not so with my servant Moses. I speak with him face to face. Wow. That gives me chills. But still, the law itself is holy, and its commands are holy and right and good. Someone say holy, right, and good. Excellent. All right. But how can that be? Did the law, which is good, cause my death? The Apostle Paul says, of course not. Sin used what was good to bring about my condemnation to death. So... We can see how terrible sin really is, not the law. Sin. Sin separates us from God. It uses God's good commands for its own evil purposes. Hmm. So the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. I want you to think about that for a moment. Digest it. Look on those screens real quick. Stare at those letters. Look, so the trouble's not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. You can read through the law. There's, you can see the basis for our current laws in there. People with legal disputes and, and your ox fell in their ditch and your ox gored somebody. There's some good, logical, holy, good things in there. Spiritual. Spiritual even. But common sense in dealing, relating to other humans. The moral law in the Old Testament is powerful, man. It made the whole world think great. Of They, they just thought... Wow, these people are amazing. Look at their laws. Look at what God has given them. The Old Testament Hebrews, they were like nobody else. Very, very excellent things that God had handed down through Moses. So the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me, for I am all too human, a slave to sin. Naturally, we're slaves to sin. Let's move on. Huh. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Try reading this in the King James Version, by the way. This gets wild. New Living Translation is really clear, or NIV, even New American Standard, English Standard Version. But right here, I don't really understand myself, he says, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. <laughs> Instead, I do what I hate. You ever felt like that? Why am I doing this stupid stuff? I hate this. Well, hang on. Don't give up. But if I know that what I'm doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. One more reason for you, let's leave that on the screen for a moment, one more reason for you to get in God's Word. 
He's going to write his law on your heart and say, oh, that, I don't need to read my Bible. No, you need to be reminded daily. I'm going to tell you right now, as a believer, you need to be in the Word every day. Every day, every day. I say at least a chapter. Dad says if you don't do three, you're a sissy, right? That sounds just like pastor, doesn't it? Three chapters should be your goal. You want to read more than three chapters? Hit it, man. Get after it. But here's what I say. Don't ever be in a race to be a nominal Christian, a middle-of-the-road Christian. I was reading a story today about a man of God, and he said he had been dating a girl for two years. She never should have been dating him. But he said after dating her for two years, she was a faithful churchgoer and a good believer. She prayed that he would get saved, and he said, you know what they say, be careful what you pray for. Because when he got saved, their relationship started going downhill. All because he was, he's high temperature, meaning it's all or nothing. I'm either all in or count me out. And she was a low temperature believer. She was in a race to just, let's, he, he wanted to save the world. She said, why can't somebody else go and, sit and lead the world to Jesus? Why does it have to be you? Let's just settle down here. Eventually, because he accepted Jesus, I don't know how they went another two years, so they went four years. Wow. And finally, she said, you, we got to make a decision here. He said, you're right. This is, I'm, I'm all in. I'm sorry. I'm all in. I'm sold out for the cause of Christ. And you gotta, you've got to get to a point in your life where you say, I'm, I'm either all in or I'm not. I know everybody in here loves God. You don't accidentally show up on a Wednesday night if you're not interested in the things of God. Those of you on the live stream, you have other things you could be doing. I know you love God. We have so many people that come on Sunday mornings, they love God. But you got to get to the place where you say, I am all in. I am all in, all right? I got to get prophetic on Wednesday night, so excuse me. I'm going to get back to my verse here. But if I know that what I'm doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. God's word is good. You need to get into it. That's how I got got off chasing rabbits here and into some rabbit trails. The Word is God's standard. You need it. You don't renew your mind without getting into the Word. Okay? So I'm not the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. Now, don't try to use that as a strange excuse. I didn't make the mistake. Sin within me did. He's making a point here. <laughs> not me. I didn't do it. The devil made me do it, you know. He's, look at this. He's saying, apart from Christ, I know that nothing good lives in me. That is in my sinful nature. You see how he clarified? Nothing good lives in our sinful nature. He says, I want to do what is right, but I can't. Now he's saying apart from Christ, right? I want to do what is good, but I don't. Somebody say, I don't. Yeah, without Jesus, oh man, it's just wishful thinking. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Man, he's making some good points here. But if I do what I don't want to do, I am not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. Say, what on earth? Scripture says the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. How many of you know that you... Don't raise your hand. How many of you know you need to be getting up either 30 minutes or an hour earlier in the morning to seek God before you go to work? Don't raise your hand. Don't do it. How many of you said, man, I know I need to get back into the study of the Bible, but I haven't done it? It's time. It's time. It's one of Pastor Jen's quotes. That's one of her taglines. It's time. Scripture says today is the day of salvation, right now. So next week, uh -uh. there's a saying in Mexico, there was a sign at some place that says, mañana nunca viene, tomorrow never comes. Tomorrow, we'll do it tomorrow. 
No, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it. Can you imagine if you put off baths like that, taking showers? There's some looks being exchanged between people in this house. <laughs> I told you, I, what I tell you, don't be putting off those baths, those showers till tomorrow. No, really. Your, your sphere of influence would gradually shrink every passing day. See, I've, I'm on the deferred shower plan. I have a grace period for showering. No, honey child, do it as often as you can, right? At least once a day, whether you need it or not. My dad used to joke. He said, a lot of people, he said, they take a bath every Saturday whether they need it or not. Think about that. Mm -mm. There's certain things you got to do and you can't put it off. Don't put off getting into the Word. But if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. There's that carnal nature. Deal with the carnal nature. Confront it every day. Take it to the cross. Take it to the King of Kings. Take it to the Holy of Holies, to His throne room, and take it to the Word every day. I have discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. Hmm. I love. He said, I love God's law with all my heart. But, someone say but. But there's another power within me that is at war with my mind. We're talking about mind games on Sunday. Getting your mind renewed. That's why we attack the mind there with God's word. You, you, some of you have read Joyce Meyer's book, Battlefield of the Mind. Good stuff. Well presented. She's an able, capable teacher of God's word because it all starts in the mind. Crazy actions start in the mind. There's another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Oh, thank God there's good news. Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. We'll stop there. Thank God there's hope, but many times we, we choose to be a slave to sin. Did you know choosing is an important part of every day? Social scientists believe that about 40% of our actions are habit. And I've been hitting that hard lately is because you've got to make good habits. And that's where routine comes in. We'll be talking more, more about that on Sunday. Let me just give you a quick example before we pray. All right? In and of myself, I've used this example before, but it's so true. I just... I, my body, my mind does not want to work out. I just want to be naturally cut. I just want to look amazing without doing anything. Like Captain America after he took the serum. He didn't have to lift weights anymore. They wouldn't have helped him before. He was too tiny, couldn't lift any weights probably. I don't know. But it's always been hard for me to get in the gym. But once I get in the gym, it's okay as long as I have a good partner and I can keep going, right? But man... A guy years ago, I think his name was Roger, he said, Matt, it's good to see you again today. I said, thank you. He said, you know the hardest machine and the heaviest machine in this whole building? I said, which one? He said, the front door. Remember Roger used to say that? <laughs> He'd say, man, that pulley system on that door is so heavy to people because they can't, just can't get to it and open it up and come in. It's the same for many of us with the word. You just need to get started. It's not a bad thing. You say, man, I've struggled in that area. Get back into it, man. I've had seasons. I remember 
When I was grieving my mom, even, even before she passed away, I knew it was coming if God did not do a miraculous work and heal her. And I, I ran into a season where I struggled to read my Bible. Still prepared messages, but to read a chapter at a time, I struggled. So what did I do? I started listening to the Word on audio CD. Yes, I had CDs in my truck at the time that I inherited from my uncle who had passed away. And I just drove around town and listened to the Word. And I'd listen to a chapter over again. And sometimes I'd space out. You know how it is. I'd space out. And I'd go, man, I don't know what Alexander Scorby said on that last chapter. The Word of God is perfect and good for all. You know, I think he was American. I'd say, man, I didn't catch any of that. And it was crazy, crazy beneficial, though, because even in my weakness and my struggle, man, I, who knows what I was going through exactly apart, because of the grief in my mind. But, man, I would listen to the Word, and some chapters, I kid you not, listen to six or seven times. And finally, on the sixth and seventh time, I'd catch it because I was thinking about other things, you know, driving around. But, man, I found a way to get in the Word, and that's what you got to do. You're going to hear me and Pastor Jen say this. You're going to hear Pastor say this. God's word is simple, but it's not always easy to apply. When we go to the gym, it's, say, that's simple, yeah, but it, it's not always easy to do reps. Oh, but it's so simple. Yeah, I know. You can show me again, though. <laughs> it's simple, but I, I still don't catch it. Oh, did you see that? I, I am one of those that had a hard time learning to tie my shoes. Supposedly, I have a mind that can capture some things like a steel trap. I can regurgitate facts to you. I can read and comprehend and give you all these facts. But I struggled with my hands to learn how to tie, tie my shoelaces as a kid. I remember thinking, no. And you know, I'd sell people. They'd be at church and they'd go, do you know how to tie your shoelaces? I'd go, you know what? Would you help me? And they'd tie them. And I'd go, thank you. That's perfect. And I'd be mumbling, you know, that's how I would have done it if I could do it. Eventually, you got to do it for yourself. you got to learn. you got to find a way to get into that word, all right? Love you guys. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes real quick. Say, man, Pastor Matt, you've been hitting on this word thing for months and years. Yep, but I love you, and God loves you even more. And his plan, his will is found in his word. Is there anyone tonight at the sound of my voice that says, if I died tonight, I don't know if I'd go to be with Jesus. I've never accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. If you've never confessed Jesus as your Lord, raise your hand tonight. And let's pray together. You say, man, I don't know what would happen if I was surprised by physical death. Would you go to heaven? Don't be ashamed. Raise your hand tonight. This is for those on the live stream, too. I can't see you raise your hand, but we're going to pray. All right. Well, let's pray tonight. Everybody, let's pray as a family. Say, Heavenly Father, apart from you, without you, I'm a sinner. Forgive me, Lord God. Cleanse me, Lord God. Help me. I need your spirit. Say, I believe in my heart, and I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. And he is my Savior. He's the only way to heaven. I believe. Come live within me, Lord. Say, I believe Jesus died and rose again to rescue me from sin and from hell. And now I'm part of God's kingdom because I believe 
and I've confessed in Jesus' name. Keep your heads bowed, your eyes closed. Father, I thank you for your word tonight. I am a flawed messenger, but your word is perfect. Your law is good. The entrance of your word brings light. Scripture says in John chapter 1 that the light came into the world and the darkness, one translation says, it couldn't even understand the light because the light overcame it. The darkness comprehended it not. It had no answer for the light because the light made the darkness vanish. Now, Lord, show us how to properly apply your word so that the darkness in our lives begins to vanish. The shadowy behavior, shadowy thoughts, they begin to flee from your light if we will just let your light enter. The entrance of your word brings light. We love you. We trust you tonight. I know everyone in here wants to be close to you. Now, Lord, as they draw close to you, your word says you will draw close to us. And it also says, seek you while you may be found. This is the time to seek you, God, now more than ever. Today is the day of salvation. We praise you and thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.